How do I know what I think until I see what I say? The Green Notebook, carried by military leaders around the world. Within those pages are sweat, tears, triumphs, and the hard-won lessons of life. Lessons worth sharing. Each week, the team dives into the notebooks of military leaders, business professionals, authors, athletes and coaches, and entertainers to share lessons and help you lead with the best version of yourself. Hey, it's Joe here, and every morning before I crack open a book or sit down to do some writing, the first thing I do is brew an amazing cup of Alpha Coffee. They make premium 100% Arabica coffee, and Alpha has some of my favorite blends. They have Dawn Patrol, which is a nice medium light breakfast blend. I also enjoy Charlie Don't Surf, which is a medium Kona blend. And I even get to take Alpha Coffee to work with me because they also make K-Cups. Not only do they have great coffee... They're a great veteran-owned business who has shipped over 20,000 bags of coffee to deployed troops. They also offer a 10% discount to members of the military and first responders. And Alpha Coffee has been an awesome company to partner with at From the Green Notebook. So taste the Alpha difference and purchase their coffee today at www.alpha.coffee or via Amazon Prime. Welcome to another episode of From the Green Notebook. I'm your host, Joe Byerly, and this week we're diving into the Green Notebook of Lieutenant General Xavier Brunson and his wife, Colonel Retired Kirsten Brunson. Now, whenever I meet a couple, the question, how did you meet, usually comes up in conversation. But the one question I never ask, and I'm sure you don't either, is how do you stay together? And that's what this episode's about. I had this amazing opportunity to sit down with the Brunsons and talk to them about being married when they're both in the military and both spouses work. And we're going to get real in this episode and talk about the challenges of managing the tension between work and family and what they've done to overcome those challenges and to stay married. Okay, I'm going to stop there and let them tell their story. So please welcome to the show, The Brunsons. Thanks for having us, Joe. Yeah, thank you. I've been really looking forward to this interview for a while. And uh, I just think that the perspective that both of you have is extremely Interesting and is going to be extremely valuable for a lot of our viewers, not only those in the military, but also those who come from, you know, who are in families right now where their husband and wife both have careers. So before we dive into the interview, can you both share a little bit about your background with our listeners? And then, you know, Kirsten, at the, at the end of yours, could you just talk a little bit about what you're doing now? All right, Joe. Again, I appreciate the question. I'm the son of a sergeant major and a mom that's worked in schools her whole life, largely in uh, the garden spot of uh, Cumberland County, Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, having grown up in an Army home, I saw firsthand really what would be my life's work. And I saw in my father, a man who I loved and respected, and every day he got up and he went to work. I can remember a time when my dad had two jobs in that industry, that work ethic, has been passed on to both me and my brothers who are both colonels in the army. So all I ever wanted to do was be a soldier. Some kids grow up wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer like my wife, but all I ever wanted to do is be a soldier. I've made that my life's work. I believe I have a passion for it. 
And uh, I really have a passion for Army people and soldiers and servicemen and women more than anything else. It's not the positions for me. It's not the places we've been able to go. It's always been about the people for me. So that's my background. It started out with people and it ends with people for me. My background is very different from Xavier's. Uh, I grew up as one of four girls raised by a single parent. My father was around, but not really. My mother was a public school teacher in D.C. As a little girl, I always knew I wanted to become a lawyer. And RLTC came into the picture later. Saw a really cool Nike shoe ad for the JAG Corps. It was amazing. And then I saw that commercial about be all you can be and jumping on airplanes. And it, it just sparked something in me. So I went that route. Went ahead. I uh, got commissioned through ROTC and then took an educational delay to go to law school. I had enough dirt for a while. So <laughs> and then came on active duty in the JAG Corps where I served uh, 23 years, almost 10 months. Since retirement, I'm doing a lot of things I don't get paid for. So, <laughs> you know, I'm an Army spouse. If you've been around the Army, you know what that entails. So, you know, I'm an advisor to the Spouses Club here at Lewis McCord. I've been SFRG leader. I'm a merit badge counselor for my son's scout troop and the girls' scout troop, not Girl Scouts, but the scouts who are girls have a separate troop. I also do their volunteer service coordination. I'm on the board of the thrift shop. I co-chair a committee, the Military and Veterans Committee of the National Association of Women Judges. Wow, that's impressive. And one thing you failed to mention is that on March 22nd, you were inducted into the U.S. Army Women's Foundation Hall of Fame. So I appreciate you bringing uh, Lieutenant General Xavier Brunson onto the podcast today with you. <laughs> I'm her plus one here today, Joe. <laughs> so how did both of you meet? And um, I, I'm, I have so many questions based off your initial response to your backgrounds, but how did both of you meet? And what is something that you believed about marriage, about making a partnership work when you first got married that turned out to not be true and, and you had to navigate it. And obviously you both came out on the, the better end of that. Well, the short answer to how did we meet was, believe it or not, we were fixed up by two uh, JAG officers. One knew Xavier, one knew me, and they put us together and it worked. So that's, that's the short version. There's a, there's a much better story, but I'll save it for another time. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I will tell you that I think subconsciously I was looking for a man whose parents were married because mine didn't, last. And I wanted that. I plan to get married once and stay married. And so that's what I was looking for. But somehow I had this idea that if you pick the right person, there'd be this magic mind meld and that you'd always be on the same page and everything would just be smooth sailing. And as anybody who is married knows, that is not how it works. This could be an entire episode by itself. Just <laughs> talking about this. I learned the exact same lesson the hard way, but we've been able to figure out that like communication is key and it's not something that like it doesn't come inherently with the vowels. Like it's something you have yeah. to work on over time. Every day. <laughs> yeah. I would tell you that, you know, when you talk about what you believed, I just believed it was supposed to kind of work and you didn't have to do anything about it. And that what I always saw was the good things with my parents. So I just believe that you get together, it just works. You don't have to do any extra work. You don't have to do anything. And what that leads me to is, as I started to lose my hair, it started to seem like I started to understand more about what I was a part of. And by the time I got to be a major going toward lieutenant colonel, I realized I had not put in the work necessary to sustain the relationship that I was in. 
And that's a sobering thought when you get something like a center mass report and you think after all these years of folks telling you how great you are, that what you might be left with is somebody that you hadn't engaged for the large part of your marriage. I would suggest to anybody that hasn't spent time invested in your relationship that you get after it early so you don't get to it late where you start wondering whether you're going to finish this thing alone or you're going to be with someone who you profess to love and you need to start demonstrating that love. So again, you can make it about hair follicles, but because uh, that's an easy way for me to think about it, but your options start to get limited if you don't invest in the relationship that you're in. That's some great advice. And I, there's, there was like a part of me right there that just wanted to cut the record button off and just kind of work through some stuff with both of you. <laughs> we go to all these, uh, these army schools, army training to be the best leaders we can be, but nobody tells you that you kind of got to do the same, same in your marriage. So I really appreciate, you know, both of you sharing a little bit about that. Now, I'm curious too, because you also had an added challenge, you know, both of you obviously being dual military, I would imagine that there were just way more challenges than somebody that didn't have that dynamic in their marriage. So this one's really for Kirsten. And sir, if you want to jump, if she'll let you jump in, um, <laughs> I'd, love, I'd love to hear your take on it. But what were some of the challenges that you faced being a dual military couple? Um, all of them. <laughs> so, you know, dual military couples, not that big a challenge. It's just, you know, finding time to spend time together. The challenge is when you add kids to the mix because somebody has to take care of them, you know, and even though you both work for Uncle Sam, you still have this major responsibility that, that, you know, sometimes gets in the way. The reality is, you know, kind of as Xavier just alluded to, the reality is I did it. I was responsible for childcare. I was responsible for getting the kids up, getting them where they needed to be before I went to PT in the morning. I have done childcare on post, off post, hired people. I've, I've done everything you can do, used family. I will tell you that what civilians may not experience is, you know, that the army community is a wonderful thing. We were blessed a lot of the time to live close to family, either his or mine. But I remember when we got stationed out at Fort Campbell, you know, we didn't we didn't know anybody out there. One of the first things you have to do, do a military couple, new location, you need a family care plan. Somebody's got to care for your kids if you get called up. And I had no idea what I was going to do. I didn't know anyone. And my administrative assistant in my office, you know, as I'm in processing, and I kind of mentioned this, she says, oh, I have someone who can help you. She picks up the phone and makes a call to a woman who had recently gotten out of the Army, who lived, you know, within five miles of me, introduced us over the phone. I went and met this woman, and she said, absolutely, I will help you. I mean, it was that easy. She became my short-term my emergency care provider, you know, if we got deployed or something. So that's army people. And that's just an example of, of kind of the, the help that I've had over the years. And I was just telling our youngest son recently, I said, you understand that there's a whole village here and they're all invested in you. So they're all kind of your parents <laughs> because they've all had a part in, you know, taking care of our kids at one point or another, or just sharing advice. So I know I kind of veered off a little bit, but basically yeah, I, I did it all. I was really tired. <laughs> Do you have any comments to make, sir, to uh, add to what she just said? You know, we're kind of talking about a sort of temporally a period of time when we're both, you know, both junior field grades and on our way up. But here's what I would tell you is there's a decision that was made that I never made myself. And that was my wife telling me that I was going to be where I am today. 
she believed it and saw it long before I did or would admit to it or believe it. And if you go to this period, you want to talk temporally about things that she's done for our family. I started deploying in 2003, and the last deployment I had was 2014. I spent over six years deployed in combat, okay, in either Iraq or Afghanistan, either SOF or CF units. In all that time, my wife was the one that was there. When I left in 2003 to OIF-1, it was my wife that was still doing all those things with me on the margins, but still being able to make that happen. And I mentioned that not to just trumpet the fact that I, you know, I live with a Hall of Famer every day, but the fact that she was Hall of Fame long before anybody else ever noticed it. And I mentioned that, too, to say that this is a, the grand bargain, the great contract, the explicit relationship that goes on with the husband and the wife. There are people fighting this right now. So to the leaders, I would say, look at your people. Look at what they're going through. If this is hard for two majors to figure out how we're going to get childcare, how we're going to get to PT on time. My wife was never late to PT. She got those kids up, got them ready, got the PT on time. My job was just to get to PT and then try to hang out with a bunch of young kids and make sure you stretch too. Years of not stretching <laughs> has me in a bad way right now. But the point being is this grand bargain is this negotiation the best, you know, alternative to a negotiated agreement between a man and his wife or a, between two spouses, more accurately, is how are we going to do this? you got to have that conversation. We made it because my wife made it happen. But how much better would this have been had we sat down and said, here's where I have to be. I'm going to go talk to my boss and let him know. I never had those conversations coming up, but I encourage him now but what we have to understand is there are certain people that don't want to ever have that conversation. They will just move the flip out. And I will tell you this, they won't be where I am. They'll be alone. So have that conversation early enough. We talk now. There's a calendar meeting that we set up now. And it's a lot different because I'm a three star and I go, hey, we need to have a calendar meeting. And I want my wife to be there so that she can tell me what I'm doing. But you got to have those conversations early because it's that important. I do want to add one thing. Good leaders are so important. You know, when 9-11 happened, you know, I had two preschoolers and, you know, we used to have wide open army installations and then, you know, the gates shut down. It took forever to get on the post. I was already rushing to make it to PT on time. And after, you know, the gate situation changed, there was no way I could make it. I was the only major in my office. And I went to my boss and I said, sir, I think I have to get out of the army. And, you know, he was stunned. Why? And I said, well, I, I can't get to PT on time. And he's like, is that it? stop coming to PT. I mean, it was that simple. Had I had a different leader, it would have been a different story. But he saw the only reason that I was going to get out was because as a field grade officer, I couldn't show up late. And so he said, so don't show up, do it on your own. It was that simple for him. And sometimes leaders just need to, as my husband is saying, look at the situation that your people are in and find a way to help them through it. That is amazing advice. And I know, I know for me personally, one of the things that, that I used to do is uh, I, I would just push forward with things when all it took me was just asking the question, like, hey, yep. I've gotten a, a family event coming up. I'd like to miss. Like, I was too scared to ask that. And that's probably one of my regrets looking back. I missed a lot when I could have just asked the question instead of assuming that I needed to be at the location. When a lot of times, like, it would have been perfectly fine for me to miss an hour. And it probably would have been a better example for the people who were working for me to see me do that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Joe, that's the point that can't be lost is sometimes we as leaders 
have to be able to diagnose those things. You know, we talk about being engaged as leaders. If you're engaged, then I know your wife's pregnant. So I should be thinking ahead so that we can relieve the burden from the individual. See, if, if you had had a leader at that time, I think that would have said, hey, you know, I know you got these things going on in your life. Why don't you go take care of that? Because this is not as important. And it goes to what our chief says about, you know, what really matters most in our lives and being there for those seminal events in our families. Leaders have to put the people in the position where they can succeed. There's a whole bunch of questions now that I want to ask along that line. I mean, sir, like both of you are coming up in your military careers you know, clearly you're working with a Hall of Famer. And uh, <laughs> like, I'm just curious, like how well do you think you did or, or how did you manage those professional, like your own personal professional aspirations with those of Kirsten's? Again, I always shot underneath the target, not behind the target or in front of the target, but I was always shooting underneath. I always believed that there was no problem that I would face that I could not work. I always believed that... Um, Whatever was going to happen was going to happen. Sort of, sort of like all I can do is, you know, there's, you'll probably ask this later, like, hey, what suggestion would you give people? I would tell you when you realize that all you can do is the best that you can do, you kind of get settled and comfortable in that. I'm just going to do the level best that I can do. Uh, my aspirations were always to do a good job and keep my reputation intact. And I was able to do those things coming up. And I never looked beyond where I was at the present time a total focus on where I was and what I was tasked to do and doing that as best as I could. I never looked ahead. Now, my wife, again, you know, foot stomp on having somebody in your corner. Everybody needs a cheerleader, uh, whether that's in your home or outside your home. Everybody needs somebody to celebrate them for even the smallest accomplishment. I'll never be in the Hall of Fame, for example, right? But I know yeah, so I'll just share in your accomplishments, wife. Um, you don't have to strike that. I'm, I'm admitting that I do live with a Hall of Famer. But it's also a recognition that you have to be willing to, to champion and celebrate other folk. And that's where I found my happiness in this profession, is seeing other people succeed or getting beyond something that was stopping them where they were. I would imagine that that's how Kirsten's boss was when she was a major. There's always been those people at key signposts along my career that have pushed me forward. Now, I'm self-motivated. I, I believe I'm self-actualized. I, all I can do is the best that I can do and being comfortable with that. And that takes time. That takes knowing yourself. I wasn't always that way. And I think it comes in, into play when you look at how are you motivated? What motivates you? Is it love of country? Is it love of self? Is it love of someone else? What's going to come behind you? What's your legacy going to be when all is done? And I think it was that long view. When I took that long view into play, it got to be pretty simple professionally. So I don't know if that gets at your question, but I'm telling you that it was changing my perspective. From the time that I was a major to the place where I sit today, it's the perspective of looking forward of what I'm leaving behind me, to always leave someplace better than it was when you got there. That's what drives me. That's what keeps me going right now. I've got a 12-year-old son, and I always talk to him about, hey, what do good boys become? And he says, good men, Dad. And I said, I want you to be a good man. If you can be a good man, then whenever people bring up your name, I would never want anybody to bring up your, my name to my son in the future and say, your dad was a bag of rocks. <laughs> I never want that. And that, that kind of drives me. It was a long answer. Sorry. No, that's a great great answer, sir. And um, it was interesting. You talked about the actualization 
as a major. And like, I, I remember for myself, I did an, a, a leader sat down with me in 2014, 2015, and we did an exercise where I had to come up with my why. I had to list out my values, kind of my goals, and, and went through this exercise to determine my why. And what I came up with was helping others lead with the best version of themselves. Like that's, mm. that, that's my reason for doing anything. And, and what I found was that I can do that regardless of whether, you know, my evaluation is the best evaluation mm-hmm. or, you know, whether the army says go do something else. Like that why is not tied to my career. And it sounds, sounds to me like, you know, the why that, that you've determined over time isn't tied to necessarily to, to an army career. And you can do that with, with whatever you're doing. And so it allows you to yeah. kind of be present in the moment as a leader. Yeah. I can remember the first time we went to a PCC, it was battalion PCC. And everybody was writing up all these flowery, you know, what is your vision, you know? And we just said, what's our vertical alignment? And we came up with God, family, and then business. And we've adhered to that ever since. And we went back to Brigade Command PCC, and we wrote the same three words down again. And, uh, you know, we were done, and we had a nice break. We ate (laughs) snacks early because everybody else was writing a long thing. It doesn't have to be difficult or profound. It's just got to be something that you can adhere to. And, And that's our vertical alignment, and we don't move off that. That's how we do it. I don't think we, there are any more PCCs, but no. if we do, we're going to write the same thing again. Yeah, you'll be you'll you'll be set. I'm I'm curious, you know, as you came up as a as a lawyer, did you ever? I, this is just random, but did you ever find yourself bringing you know your approach to the courtroom into the house, like when you guys got an argument? <laughs> My husband has been known to say to me on multiple occasions, "Stop talking to me like a lawyer," and my response is usually. Have you ever considered, I don't talk like this because I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer because I talk like this. As a kid, everybody would say, oh, she's going to be a lawyer. I, you I don't you can't defeat that, by the way. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no comeback to that other than, well, okay then. <laughs> I do like to argue. I, you know, I debated in high school. Um, I did public speaking. That's just what I do. And also, if I see a wrong being done, I just want to jump in and go fix it. And I have to restrain myself sometimes from trying to fix everybody's problems because I end up taking on too much. But it comes in handy in the family sometimes. My husband likes to say, hey, can I sue them? (laughs) And I say, yeah, you can sue them. That's not the question. The question is, can you win? And, you know, I just wrote down a word, strengths, right? So I won't talk about the tax story. I'll tell you that tax story later on, Joe. One-on-one. If you ask me about a tax story, I'll tell you that story. But but it's strengths, right? So we went to buy a Ford Escape. I wanted a Ford Escape really bad. And we're sitting in the office and, you know, you go through the whole, let me go get my manager. And, you know, hey, here's what we can do. And uh, the man slides a contract to me and I immediately slide it over to my wife. Number one, I know I'm not reading all that. Uh, number two, if there's something in this contract that's not valuable for me going forward, then the only person that's going to figure that out is somebody that I know cares about me and our family situation. And so I would I would encourage folks to sort of make an asset inventory of your strengths and your your spouse or your significant other's strengths and lay those things out and uh, allow each other to lead in those areas in your lives. And it, it makes things simple. It doesn't have to come down to somebody telling you, did you ever think that I talk like this, uh, that I'm a lawyer because I talk like this? With you harumphing and walking away, it leads to you being able to take best advantage of what people can do. 
And, and I even carry that into my professional life about, you know, asset inventories. What does this person do well? Because the end game of this people business is that people win every day. And if you can put people in the right positions, then they're going to be winners inherently. It's just going to be there for them. I love that, sir. And I, I should have brought my wife in here for this. This might have been <laughs> even better. But like my wife is very detail oriented. Yep. You know, she takes time to process things. Whereas like I'm a big ideas guy. Yep. I will hand wave stuff. Like if you put a contract in front of me, I'll sign it. <laughs> I struggled as an executive officer because I had to count things. <laughs> and so um, I've, I guess I've kind of learned over time that instead of like bashing your heads together, in, uh, you know, focusing on the difference or focusing on, you know, this person's not like me or whatever is kind of embracing the other person's strengths. Like you said, whether it's at home or, or at work and then capitalizing that on that as a team instead of, uh, you know, of me signing every every contract that gets put in front of me. <laughs> well said, Joe. <laughs> I bet like as I was talking about that, Kirsten, I bet you were just cringing, being like, thank God you have the wife that you have, you know? <laughs> You know, a lot, and, and I know you were in the Army, so Army spouses tend to have certain capabilities. I, I don't know if it's, you know, natural selection or if it just, you adapt to the situation that you're in. But the spouses kind of have to be detailed-oriented. They have to take care of all the little things because you're out, you know, fighting the big fight and, and doing doing all the stuff every day. And I know when my husband comes home sometime before midnight, uh, <laughs> you know, he's exhausted, mentally exhausted. And so I try to take care of all of those little details. You know, it works for him if I can just say, hey, this is when we're going on vacation. This is what time we have to catch the plane. That's all the information he needs. He doesn't need the play by play. So I take care of all the details. I think our military spouses take care of all the details so that you, whoever the soldier is, whoever the military member is, can go forward and focus on the important work that you're doing. Hey folks, it's Joe here, and I would like to thank our newest sponsor, my alma mater, the University of North Georgia, located in Dahlonega, Georgia, home of the Mountain Phaser Ranger School. If you are looking for an education, this is the place to go. They are a top-rated senior military college offering over 70 degrees, including critical languages, international affairs, strategic studies, and an award-winning cyber defense program. Their Corps of Cadets is an Army-only program with 24-7 leader development. They have consistently been ranked as our nation's number one Army ROTC program among senior military colleges, and this is the institution that I credit with preparing me to be an Army officer. So, if you want to learn more, go to their website at www.go.ung.edu forward slash Army1 and learn more about the University of North Georgia, the Military College of Georgia. Now, back to the episode. It's interesting you say that. And I'm thinking like right now, too, is it you mentioned your kids' ages. and You got three kids, two daughters and a son. And um, I'm just curious, like right now, I mean, how do you navigate who attends school events, kids' sporting events, who takes care of like sick kids? I know it's a little bit easier with you out, but I, I, I'm sure, sir, just again, talking to you, th like a lot of those things are things that you want to be at. Yeah. Again, it goes to those details where we, it's like laying out the calendars and, and recognizing things that you absolutely have to be at. It's about having someone who understands you and, and your needs. For example, uh, I, I've been on a multitude of TDYs, I guess, over the past three weeks. Uh, my son just participated in the regionals, number one in the pommel horse in the region. I wasn't able to be at the meet. 
But my wife said to me, you need to get some rest. You need to get some rest because she knows what it's going to take for me to be the best version of me, the best husband, the best father, the best soldier. And so I didn't go to Idaho with them, but my wife went with my son. But when there are times I can be at events, when there are things that I know or that I think are really good for my wife to be at, it's a give and take. And it's always got to be a give and take. It can't always be, it can't be anymore, me in the lead. And because I need to do these things to get to the next place, I'm in the lead and, and you know, everything else be damned. It can't be that. So again, it's this, I hate to think of it as a negotiation, but but it's it's bringing all the facts to bear, taking a chance to look forward and say, where do I need to be? Where is it most important that I have to be? There are always going to be requirements for your job. There are always going to be requirements outside the home. There are always going to be people pulling on my wife. But as we communicate, we understand where those times and places are. And there are times that my wife has said to me, you need to be here. On this day, at this time, this is what's going down. And to her credit, 10 years ago, I'd have gotten multiple calls to come for like a parent-teacher's conference. <laughs> now I get one notification, and it's up for me to show for the family. And I take uh, great joy in showing and, you know, like, hey, why are you here? Well, the parent-teacher's conference is about to go down. That's why I'm here. And I'll pop on the camera real quick, and my wife knows I got limited time. I get my licks in, just like I did at CGSC and the War College. If you talk early, you don't have to talk late. If you can talk about the intro to the article, you don't have to read the whole article. Disclaimer. I am a graduate of the War College. I wrote a paper that read called Kickball, Restructuring the National Security Arrangement. Sir, I, I promote reading on this podcast. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit that out. Yeah, please do. Uh, I do want to add that for dual military couples, it is... You know, like I said, I did all the kids stuff early on. I was at all the events and everything. And now the difference is because I decided that was just going to happen. And it was very clear wherever I worked that it was going to happen. It it wasn't a question for me. It wasn't even a a request. It was a notification. I'll be leaving today because I'm going to do this. The difference is my husband's a three-star general. But I made that decision for myself that certain things are important and I'm going to do them. Now, sometimes the requirements of the job are such that you can't, you know, I was a military judge. If I'm in the middle of a trial, I'm not going to a dance recital. It's not happening. But most of the time I was able to do it. And so recognizing that if you really are leaning forward in your military career, you may not always be able to do those, but you pick the big ones and you make them happen. The other thing that was important is um, there was a period of time when, when our daughter's you know, would say to me, hey, you know, what do you think dad will say, you know, or Xavier say, what do you think the girls think? I was like, hey, man, y'all need to talk to each other. I'm not the middleman. And I told him, I said, you need to date your daughters. You need to take your daughters on a trip, go somewhere. And to his credit, he did it. He told him, I'm going to take you on a trip. You get to pick. That was a mistake. You get to pick. <laughs> so one daughter chose to go to, what was that alt music festival? Oh, gosh, the uh, the band's alt music festival. Oh, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> Yeah. And so he drove out there with her. It was like uh, Woodstock, but for alternative music. It was, yeah, I didn't go. That's awesome. But the two of them, they're like road dogs now because of that trip. Then the other child picked an anime convention and he comes to me and says, do I really have to go? Yes, you have to go. You told her you would take her, but they had a great time. 
And now it's it's funny now because I feel left out because they have all these stories and things that they experienced together that it was like the one thing I wasn't a part of. But I just say you have to make the time. If you're the, the hard charging army person, you've got to choose your moments and make them count. I love those stories you just shared. And I, I'm laughing here because uh, so two things that, that you just said, I, I just came back from being gone for a couple months. You know, I came back, I was six hour time difference. And so I came back with jet lag while my family's on spring break. And in the past, I would have gotten off the plane and rushed down to the beach to join them. But my wife was actually the person who said, hey, I want you to stay at home for at least 24 hours mm-hmm. to uh, to get some rest, get some time for yourself and recoup before you join us. Because I know that you're going to get down there and like while you're there in body, mind, you're, you're not going to be there. You're going to be droning. Mm-hmm. And so I that wasn't us, you know, five, six, seven years ago. That's kind of a, a new development. And I just did the same thing. I felt so terrible that I missed my son's entire basketball season that uh, just two weeks ago, I said, hey, we're going to go on a trip together. You pick the wherever you want to go. <laughs> and so we're actually leaving in a couple of days for New York City because he just wanted to go to Times Square. So I'll be awesome. I'll be road dogging it with him for yeah. for uh, a couple of days. So I love that your experiences are, are very similar. Yeah, And you're going to remember that trip for the rest of your life. And so will he. Yeah, Vans Warp Tour. Warp Tour. That's yes. It. Oh, that's great. I want to go to Warp Tour. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Jane's Addiction got back together to play a single show there in North Carolina. Oh, that's. So I've seen Jane. <laughs> that's awesome. I I feel like we're all bonding over this uh, this interview. You've shared like so many stories, and I think like one of the threads that's really emerging between the two of you is how communication has developed over time. So I'm curious, like what advice would both of you give to new couples who are starting out on this journey together, especially when, you know, now it's, it's very different. You know, a lot of families, like both the husband and the wife are working, you know, hardworking professionals. As Xavier alluded to, it would have been a lot easier if we had sat down and had the conversation and kind of <laughs> laid out <laughs> expectations or responsibilities and, and all of that. Because I'll be honest, there was, you know, there was occasionally some resentment, you know, and, and I would say, I was like, hey, I work for the same uncle you work for, and yet I'm doing all these other things. I don't resent doing the other things, you know, the other things being getting my children to have, you know, great experiences. But yeah, I was tired. And so the takeaway would be, instead of simply falling into those roles to actually have the conversation and conversations can take a lot of different forms. I mean, early on in our marriage, I remember there was, I don't know what we were mad about, but there was one time we weren't even, we weren't even speaking to each other because the decision was made when we got married, that this is for life. So unless somebody dies, you're stuck with me. We sat down back to back with a, with a yellow legal pad and wrote because we didn't trust ourselves to talk to each other because we were angry. <laughs> and so, I mean, there was some, there was some hard writing. You were just ripping through the paper and just writing pages and then pass it. And the other person would respond until we finally got tired of writing and turned around and talked to each other. But you do what you have to do. But the thing you have to do is communicate. However, it's done. If you have to write each other a letter, you sit out and talk, you text, phone call, whatever it is, you've got to find a way to do it because otherwise those resentments will happen and they will build up. And then you're facing, you know, a a lot of trouble in the long term. My goal is always for every marriage to end, honestly, in death. It says, you know, the guy says till death do us part. So 
once you you say I do, you're you're saying I do for the long term and figure out what you need to do to make that happen. Hey, here's what I would tell you is is that what I would tell a, a young, unfollically challenged ex Brunson <laughs> would be it's one thing to recognize that you're different. It's another thing to appreciate the differences. And if I had known that earlier on, beyond just the words, but actually appreciating the fact that you don't marry yourself, you marry somebody different from yourself. If I had appreciated those things earlier on, it would have probably made, not even probably, it would have made things a ton easier. And I find direct correlation between things I do at home and things I do at work, believe it or not. It's appreciating the folk. It's saying thank you. We don't say thank you enough to people who serve. And it's the easiest thing to say, but it seems so hard to do because of the immediacy of the now and things that have to get done. But if you say thank you to somebody, not just, hey, thank you for your service, but hey, thank you for helping out with that inventory, you know? And it's okay to thank people for things that they do. I mean, my wife says to me, has said to me before, hey, thanks for taking time with the girls. Thanks for taking time for Josh. It's okay. I mean, that's my job. You know, you're not looking for applause for taking care of your family. But when you can say that to somebody, hey, thanks for being that great example. Thanks for taking time to talk to the girls, Kirsten. They needed that from you at that point in time. So just appreciating the fact that you are different and how that makes your relationship that much better and stronger. Thank you all for sharing that. And I I just want to make a note real quick. I've said some positive stuff, I think, about us, but I I also want to be honest too. Like it's definitely been a struggle. And I would say that the period of KD years for us, you know, the, the S3XO time was probably the toughest and where we saw the most cracks. And we're still like years removed from that and we're still learning from it and growing from that. So hopefully, you know, at least on on my end, you know, not coming across as is having answers because I'm definitely learning a lot of stuff that I'm hearing from both of you is the same stuff that we've done through discovery learning. So I hope folks listening to this can, you know, at least learn from my mistakes way earlier in their career than we did. It's still a work in progress. I mean, it's every day, Joe. But I would, I would add that I I would encourage younger couples to, you know, just like we do in the military, you find a mentor, right? Or several, you know, marriage needs mentors too. And you find that couple that's that's been where you are and has come through it. And you talk just like we're doing right now. And you talk to them and you and you get guidance and you find out how to do it. I mean, a benefit for me was Xavier's parents. You know, they've been married over 50 years. At any point, I could go to his mother and she's a military spouse. And I could say, you know, what the heck? She would talk to me about, you know, when he's deployed and he comes home and you've been running everything. And now he wants to jump in and be the man. And, you know, she talked me through that because she had experience. <laughs> so I would encourage there should be no shame in asking for help. There should be no shame in saying, hey, we're struggling. How can we get through this? The shame is in not asking for help and continuing to struggle. My wife's probably going to kill me right now. I would <laughs> I would also throw out there, too, that, um, you know, sometimes like you do need marriage counseling. And, and mm-hmm. you know, one of my mm-hmm. biggest fears a long time ago was just asking for that time to do that. And I don't. I don't think I have that fear anymore. And I would just encourage, you know, younger folks to not have that fear either. Yeah. Well, we. Yeah. So <laughs> I'll tell you the first time we went. It's I just was... the three of us. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was so angry about so many things. And uh, I stopped by the Family Life Center and I said, hey, I need to sign up for marriage counseling. And 
you know, she's taking my name and says, what's your husband's name? What do you need that for? He's not coming. <laughs> you know, and uh, anyway, I started seeing the counselor by myself and she would give me homework and things to do. And I kept saying, oh, he's not going to do that. And she said, your job is not to get him to do anything. Your job is to ask. And we got to the point where she said, I want you to invite him to come. I said, he's not going to come. Again, your job is to invite him. And so I go and I say, hey, you know, I'm going to marriage counseling. And he's like, I know which surprised me because I didn't know he knew because I didn't tell him. And I said, okay, so my counselor wants you to come on Thursday. And he just says, okay, what time? Again, surprise me. And we get in there, Joe, we get in there. And the whole time I'm just thinking, don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass me in front of my counselor. (laughs) Don't say anything stupid. (laughs) And she says, oh, Xavier. I mean, we were, I think, captains. Yeah, we we were were captains. captains. And she says, so what do you hope to get out of this? And he goes, nothing. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> and she's, you know, she's so cool. She's like, okay, so then why are you here? And he said, because my wife asked me to come. And I was done. I was like, I don't need any more counseling. The fact that he found absolutely no value in it, thought it was a waste of time, didn't expect to get anything out of it, but he came anyway just because I asked. That for me was enough to say, hey, this guy really does care about me. Maybe we can work this out. So you never know what you're going to get out of counseling. It it didn't even come from the counselor herself. (laughs) It just came from my recognition that he actually did care about me. So there is some good stuff in counseling, though. They will teach you some tricks. I encourage everybody to do it. (laughs) So fast forward a few years, and it's time to go to family camp. And uh... It's my turn now. Yeah, still learning every day. <laughs> this is great. This went from a military leadership podcast to I feel like Brene Brown right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what am I doing? Um, <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. You know, like one of the things that, that we learned through it is the ability to communicate, you know, how, how you're feeling on your energy level, too. So, you know, coming home at the end of the day and just being like, Hey, I am, I'm at 10% today because of of this, this, and this, like my wife, she knows now that like, I don't do well sitting in meetings all day. And that, that like actually drains me of energy. I like to be around talking with people. And so, you know, like now, like if I come home and I'm saying, Hey, I'm at 10%, you know, she can jump up and and give the other 90% or vice versa. If she's going through the same thing before if I came home tired, I would either take it out on her or she would assume that, you know, with something she said or did, it, it's making me, you know, putting me in this mood or whatever. And so now I just think having those mm-hmm. those communication tools to navigate that before mm-hmm. any conflict ever happens. It's amazing what happens when you actually just say what's going on, because if you don't, you know, the other person is just running through all the possibilities. None of them are correct, by the way. Never. Mm-hmm. never. Um, but if you just say... You know, I'm just drained. I was in meetings all day. It's amazing what a difference it makes. And because I do all the things all the time uh, here recently, Joshua had a a meet. It was Saturday and Sunday. Xavier was TDY. I went all day on Saturday. By the time we got home, I was just I was done. And I'm in the bed when he comes home and I said, hey, can can you take him? I know you just got home, but can you take him to the meet tomorrow? I just I'm wiped out. Uh, Well, turns out. I had COVID, so there you go. But he comes home on Saturday from a trip and, you know, sees that I'm just wiped out and says, yeah, and goes to the gymnastics meet all day on Sunday. So, you know, normally I probably would have just planned to go anyway, you know, but he's like, yeah, just get in the bed. <laughs> 
That's awesome. Well, shifting back to the military leadership podcast, which we should we should just go ahead and start Joe and the Brunsons do like a weekly <laughs> a weekly live show. We're up for it. <laughs> um, so, how did uh, for both of you? How did your professional goals change? As you got older and your life situation, now you have three kids, they're getting older. Like, how did those change and mold as you, as you got older? I don't know that they did. I think that what changes the way we apply ourselves to different things. I, I don't think the goals themselves changed to do as much good as possible as long as we can to maintain our vertical alignment. But it's, it's actually the way that we come about things now. There are things that I want for my wife that um, I'll just go back to the hall of fame thing. Okay. That somebody else saw in her, what I've seen in her all along, that meant so, I I mean, I'm having a visceral reaction right now. First of all, quick crier. I admit it. Quick (laughs) crier. I will cry at the, I'm just an emotional cat, but for somebody to see those things in her, to want good things for her, to try to see forward for her, about all the things I know that she's possible of, that she can't even see for herself, to reflexively do for her what she's done for me for so many years. It's, uh, you know, back to leadership, to be able to see for somebody a thing that they can't see, to not talk about re-enlistment, but talk about, hey, man, let's get you through this first term. If we can get you through this first term of service, You're going to go into life, whether you choose to continue serving or whether you choose to get out with a W. You got a slash in the W column. That's how things have changed. The way that I approach my perspective on these things, the goals themselves have never changed. But the way that I apply myself, the energy, the perishable energy that I have to making winners kind of sound like Luke Holtz now (laughs) to, to, to building champions out there is what I think we both share as a passion. I see my wife reaching back down into the JAG Corps to women that are like her and and schooling them and helping them. I see the messages that come to her from those people. We apply ourselves to these things and say, hey, don't go where we went. Go to this other way. Here's a better way to approach this thing. So I think it's our perspective and the way we approach those goals. Things are always better when there's somebody else involved in it. You know, I, I personally believe that you'll never achieve anything of significance in your life without somebody else. I mean, you could do a lot of things. You know, I could talk about the reason why you're in the Hall of Fame is because I've done okay. That's not true. (laughs) I was waiting for her to jump in there. (laughs) No, no, the look is what you're missing. (laughs) That's what you don't get in the podcast. The things I'm going to have to deal with later on tonight, that's what you're not getting in the podcast. I can edit that out of the podcast, but I cannot edit that out of her ears. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that's where we find ourselves now at this point in our lives is that we've got to make sure that other people get this. And, and that's the, the beauty of being able to be on here with you, Joe, and to take advantage of this. Leadership starts at home. If you're not leading in your home, you're not going to be able to lead in the military. If things aren't right at home, you're not going to be able to lead in the military. And you can't bring military home. You got to bring yourself home and be present. It doesn't matter how much time you're there. What it matters is, is are you present when you are there? Every bit of you. You mentioned your wife said, take 24 hours, get your mind right, then come see us. You've got to be able to do those things. And you've got to communicate those things to your partner when you're not going to be your best. Yeah. 
I, I'm just thinking back the early days and the kids will notice. I remember we went to Disney World and we're, we're over there at, at Epcot and there was a fireworks show and the girls are little and they look back and they say, dad's not watching the fireworks. He's at work because he was mm. back on the phone. Mm. You know, so that's why your wife told you to take 24 hours so that because the kids will notice, Mm -hmm. even though you're physically there, they will notice that you're not mentally there. So you give 100 percent at work. You got to give 100 percent at home. Yeah, that's one of my biggest weaknesses is uh, like I will I'll be in seven different places at once. So I (laughs) my wife is awesome for uh, for, I I work on it. I work on it. But uh, my wife is awesome for, for bringing me back to the to the present moment. Yeah. I'm curious, Kirsten, now that now that you've retired, do you ever have FOMO watching <laughs> your husband continue to serve? Absolutely not. <laughs> for, for a number of reasons. Okay. And I will tell you, number one is still serving. Still serving. We we live on a military installation. I serve every day. I serve in all the volunteer capacities. And even if I didn't have any of those, you know, sort of official titles or anything just the fact of our experiences and what we've been through is going to end up, I'm going to end up being the person I am sharing that with somebody. So I thoroughly enjoyed my army career. I achieved my life's dream, which was to be a judge. I got to do all the things that I wanted to do. So I don't have any regrets about that. But even though I'll get in conversations, you know, get around JAG people and get in conversations and get all excited, I I don't want to go back to doing it every day you know, let me do it like five hours a week, maybe. Uh, but I, I enjoy, uh, I, I want to say I enjoy sleeping in, but we have a 12 year old, so I don't get to do that. But I kind of enjoy my time now. I enjoy still being around the military community, but not having to do PT at 6am. I can maybe do it at 930. So that's a benefit. Um, yeah, I yeah. will tell you the one thing that bothers me since I have a platform, I'm going to say it is Here in the 21st century, it's still difficult for people to recognize that girls can be in the Army. I I don't need a salute for my ego, but if you're going to salute every officer that comes through the gate, that means me too, not just the guys. (laughs) So that's still a challenge to be recognized as a veteran, to be recognized as an Army officer. Again, I don't need it for my ego, but, you know, the institution is what it is. And if we're going to recognize veterans, if we're going to recognize officers, then it's all of them. It's great. And uh, I'll be I'll be honest with both of you. I, I started researching both of you because I haven't had the opportunity to serve with either of you. And I ended up getting more sucked into your career, Kirsten, than <laughs> General Brutzitz. It's been, a, it's been a fun one. <laughs> well, one final question, one final question, because I, I know that you've got to go. But what are one or two leadership lessons that have stood the test of time throughout both of your careers? Mentorship. Find a mentor, be a mentor. I foot stomp that everywhere I go, even to this day. Everybody needs a mentor and everybody has something they can share with someone else. It's that simple. I'll I'll just mention again that uh, understand that all you can do is the best that you can do. And if you give your best to the institution every day, the institution will be better for it. I don't care what institution that is. You giving your best to that thing will make it better. The other thing I would say is to always pursue something bigger than yourself, Uh, because in that pursuit, what you'll do is you'll find yourself doing excellent and you'll find others drawn to that. It's great advice. And I I found, too, you know, I I started from the Green Notebook in 2013. And uh, it's just amazing that all the people who've come along the way Mm -hmm. to support it and come on mission with us 
uh, just, just to help other leaders. And so anyways... This has been an awesome interview with the uh, 2022 inductee to the U.S. Army Women's Foundation Hall of Fame and her husband. Uh, <laughs> no, you just made my day. I'm going to hold on to that one for a long time. <laughs> my orders are going to get canceled tomorrow, and I'm going to not know why. <laughs> hey, and, and let us wrap up by saying congratulations to you, Joe, Absolutely. and your bride on, on battalion command. Yeah. We're very proud of you. And we look forward to hearing good things from you. And know that if you ever need the Brunsons, we're here for you, okay? Yeah. Well, and, and congratulations yeah. on this podcast. This is, I, yeah. did, I did a little dive on this too. This is amazing it what is. you're doing. It has been awesome. And it's so funny because, uh, you know, like I, I'm like, I get off of an interview and I'm like, that was awesome. That was my favorite interview. And this one right here, I have had so much fun with both of you over the last hour. And I've learned so much and like, I've got so many apologies to go give my wife right now. <laughs> Uh, did we get off of here? But uh, I, I just appreciate the example and, uh, you know, just, just what you shared today, because I think a lot of people need to see that this stuff isn't easy yeah. Yeah. and it takes a lot of work. And I, I think that that's, if anything, I think that's what got conveyed today from both of you. So I'm very, very appreciative of that. Well, thanks. I, I had a lot of fun talking to you. Me too. <laughs> all right all right we well, all have a, a great rest of the day and again thank you so much for your time all right okay, thank care. you joe take care thank you again for listening to another episode of from the green notebook podcast if you enjoyed the show please give us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts it helps us gain visibility and the opportunity to help more people on their leadership journey also make sure you check out our website at www from thegreennotebook.com. There, you can listen to past episodes, read leadership articles written by military leaders from around the world. You can sign up for our monthly reading list email where you can learn about new books that are coming out. And our Sunday reflection email that comes out every Sunday morning is really short. It's a two-minute read, but I guarantee you it's going to start your week off on the right foot. Finally, make sure you follow us on Twitter at FTGNotebook and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for From the Green Notebook. Again, thank you so much for coming on this journey with us. I am humbled by the opportunity to learn these lessons alongside you. So please join us next week for another episode of From the Green Notebook, where we're going to help you lead with the best version of yourself. I came from the mud. There's the-